Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of Death Taxes in Comedy. I have a, uh, I'm being joined by a guest and we're sitting here in the dark. I have two candles. I think we're going to do a seance, right? <laughs> Absolutely. How does it go? How do they, I know you've done seances. I have. How do they work? A lot of spiritual belief. That's it? Absolutely. But the candles play a role in it, right? No, they just said an ambiance. Just an and it's just an ambiance. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so seance, right? Okay, so a seance. What do you need? What are the requirements? So guys, take a notepad and take a pen if you guys know what that is. If not, do a digital. But what do you need for a seance? Spiritual belief. Okay, one. Number one. Uh huh. No obstacles, no blockage. Wait, wait, okay. Open, well, open mind. Just open mind. Okay, open mind. Open mind. Um. Just pretty much fly by the seat of your pants. And candles. And candles. Because you can't do it. You can't do it on if you just turn on the light on the phone, right? Or you can't with the flashlight. No, you gotta it have has candles. Has to be candles. Is there Something a reason why candles? candles? Well, it depends on the color of the candles. So well, I have red. So well, what does red that mean? Red is very powerful. Is it? Absolutely. Nice. Love fire. Check out our uh, our vocals here. Red. <laughs> Love is powerful. Red is powerful. Oh, is that what it is? Red is powerful. So is purple. Hmm. Purple is very powerful. Why? Very why is, dominant. Why is purple pro- well, dominant really dominant power. Because I've heard of red, definitely like power colors. That's the reason mm-hmm. why politicians or if anybody's trying to make a statement with their clothes, they'll wear a red tie. Right. But then blue is like submissiveness. Mm. Dominance. 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 Blue? Oh, well, you're the submissive being dominated by the purple. Oh, really? Absolutely. Mm. Now, on the, okay, so. Because blue, purple is what blue and blue is submissiveness. So and you black, want isn't it? To, or black is? Oh no, the purple is blue and red mixed together, like the, on the color wheel, right? Right. If I remember but, correctly. But you don't think about that. You just think about the actual solid see, colors. Yeah, I think about that. See, yeah, I, I have to. I know you do. That's the analytical part of me. Like, how do you combine these? Oh yeah, it's these two colors. Yes, purple is created by blue and red. Right, but. If you think about it, red is the power power of power love, of love, love dun, 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 seduction. Dun, dun. The red is very powerful. Power of love, seduction, addiction. 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 Oh, addiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Holy schmackerel. Attraction. Oh, attraction. Attraction. That is so true. You combine it with purple, now you got dominance with attraction. Damn, really? Absolutely. Mm-mm-mm. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. I guess that's why this has a red on it, which is a lighter. Because <laughs> it, it's powerful. Very powerful. Sweet. All right, so to start, like I said, I have a special guest today. She goes by the name of... Would you Would you like to... Come on, Maritza. Oh, I know. I know. But. Uh, Maritza. Mari la Boricua. Uh, Mari la Boricua. There you go. <laughs> Maritza, Mari la Boricua. And uh, she is joining me because I haven't actually, gosh, I haven't seen you in quite some time. I think it's been a year. Mm-hmm. Has it been a year? Pretty much. <gasps> Jeez. It's been a year. That's what happened. Over a year, I That's think. That's what happened. I think it's over a year. It yeah. must have been sometime in August mm-hmm. of last or July or something like that of last year. October. October was it October? Yes, it was. Whoa, damn! You see what happens? 
That's what happens. Mm. And I didn't even know that I finished my my wine. You didn't. I poured it into mine. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was like, whoa, what, what happened there? Um, but yeah, gosh, I haven't seen you since last year. It's crazy. Mm. And every time that we get together, we always talk about things in life, about life. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. We go in depth. And today we had one of those conversations. Mm-hmm. And so you you came over. We started talking and I'm like, like further, furthermore, right? Because we were talking earlier today about basically about life Mm -hmm. and about some of the challenges that we all face. Absolutely. Right. So you're asking me what is going to be the point of the show today. And it's like, I just want to have a conversation about the different topics that we were covering, which pretty much it's kind of like the whole belief thing and Maybe why we, on a personal level, we kind of doubt ourselves. Well, as you know, like I told you earlier, that I went on vacation. Right. You just came back from a trip. And on that vacation, I learned Wait, where'd you go again? I went to Cancun and Tulum. Ooh, wow. Which was absolutely amazing. I'm from Puerto Rico, and so Mexico and Cancun and Tulum was absolutely amazing. Like, I thought... That I could retire there. I really did. Wow, really? So, um, prior to the vacation, I thought that I'm going to chop somebody's head off if I don't take off and go somewhere. Whoa. So, this vacation was the perfect timing. And I did it. And I don't regret it. Um, This vacation was somewhere that I just got to release a lot of my aggression on the plane, because when I got to my destination, I was in utter heaven, mm. utter heaven. It was the most amazing experience I have ever felt that I was able to release a lot of the aggression and stress and just things that I just thought that was really consuming my life. In reality, it really wasn't. Mm. It really wasn't. So I got to learn that if I don't let go it's going to consume me. And I learned that. I learned that on my vacation. So um, it was something that I had to do. I literally had to pack a bag and just say, fuck it and get up and go. And that's what I did. And I'm glad that I did because I let go. I let go mm-hmm. to a lot of things. And I came back and I just thought all these phone calls, all these voice messages and voicemails I got. I was just like, fuck it. I'm going to get to you and I'm ready to get to you. I'm not going to fucking stress myself out. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to spoil this moment. I'm still living in the moment. Even when I got back, I even called off on my day of work. I was supposed to work today and I called off. I was like, I'm not, I'm going to extend it a couple more days and I'll be ready, you know, ready to work on Monday. On Monday. When I'm ready. Mm, When I'm ready. Nice. so, I mean, everybody, like people in the world, obviously, well, we say you have to get away from where where you live because mm-hmm. the whole point is to have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So going on the trip, what did you learn about like yourself on the tri- and also on the trip and also going somewhere else? Even though Cancun, I, I mean, I haven't been yet. I'm, I'm, eventually, I hope to go. But mm-hmm. from what I hear, it's, you know, it's obviously it's a beautiful and yeah. Cancun was the most the most um enlightening experience for me. Mm-hmm. I I got to go around and meet really nice people. 
I got to meet my nice people from Mexico. I got to meet nice people from Guatemala. Oh, wow. Which really shocked me because my ex-husband's from Guatemala. Everybody in my world that was Guatemalan, I, I hated. And there I got to meet really humble people. Mm. And so it just humbled me. It humbled me even more. And I got to meet these people and talk to them and just realize that in in, a, in the United States, the one thing I learned is that we have a lot of homeless especially here in California, we have a lot of homeless and in Mexico, everybody is willing to earn a dollar, you know, even though they sold something like a little bracelet or a little, a little, um, something that they might've made by hand, they were willing to work for it, not be pet handlers and just say, give me money because I want money. No, they worked for it. So I was truly humbled when a little kid came up to me and said, you know, what are you eating? And I said, oh, I'm eating a taco. He goes, can I have the other one? And I just gave him a taco. Mm. And the other girl that was sitting next to me, she's, you know, the little boy came up to him and he said, give me some, you know, what are you eating? He said, she said, potato chips. He goes, well, can I have some potato chips? And that's all they wanted. And so at that point, we were willing to give. Not that they were asked for it. They were just curious what it was. Right. We were willing to give. And so it just humbled me because we are so blessed with making, you know, decent amount of wages. I have a prestigious career and I make really good money. But I have a hard time sharing it with a lot of the homeless that we live out here. We have numerous amounts of homeless, especially where I work in downtown Riverside. And we have amounts of homeless and I have a hard time giving my money to them. But yet in Mexico, I didn't have that hard time. I didn't care if I bought extra food and just gave it away. I didn't mm. care because I wanted to do it. Not because you asked me for it, but I was willing to give it if right. you didn't ask me for it. Like you didn't feel entitled to it. And that's where I thought that the humbleness came in. And it humbled me. It humbled me in a way that, um, you know, people are sitting back and they're starving, but yet they're being very polite to ask you, can I sell you this in order for me to eat right. versus someone is like, give me money because I want to fucking get loaded and get, you know, drunk. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I just had a hard time with that and I was getting very bitter. I was getting very bitter mm. and um, it brought me back to reality It brought me back to reality. You know, I, I, I hadn't seen homeless like I see here in California. I hadn't seen it in the East Coast because it's too cold. Right. I hadn't seen it in Puerto Rico because everybody's poor. Mm. But here in California, I don't know. It's just different. It's just totally different. You know, people feel entitled. And if you don't give them money, they get upset. I've, I've heard of that. Yeah. So. I've heard of homeless. Somebody, somebody one time told me that uh, she went to McDonald's and that as soon as she pulled up some homeless a homeless guy came up to her and I was asking for money or whatever. And mm-hmm. she said, uh, no. And then she goes inside, gets the food. And then one of the, uh, a partner of his, I guess, came out and like threw an orange at her car. Mm-hmm. It's like, like, can you, can you believe it? Well, I you actually know, she, had she a worse down. experience. Oh, the guy that I actually went in and bought him a whole meal uh-huh. with everything upgraded, like the big, big size the of everything, size. super size of every all, all of it. And he threw it in the trash. What? I was heartbroken. What did he throw in the trash? 
Did you ask I was hard because he said, I didn't ask you to feed me. I asked you for money for alcohol. Whoa. So that just broke me. It broke me where I didn't want to help anybody else. So that's I the become, root of the problem right there. I, gave, I became very selfish mm. and I became very bitter mm. on the situation in California. And so I was just like, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to do it. And what'd you I, get him? I got him a whole big meal, like but fries, French fries. Big man? I got him. Double no, it was, with chi, no it was chi. it was Carl's, with chi. Carl's Jr. You know, six dollar burgers is six dollar burgers. That's six dollars hey. plus fries and soda. Hey, I'm sorry, but to be honest with you, and I'm going to be honest here because we were talking about being. I was truthful. like eleven dollars. He threw in if the trash. If you would have given me a, Car- a Carl's Jr. burger, I'm throwing in the trash there. <laughs> sorry. Thank you. Whatever it was, if you're okay. starving, you're gonna eat Thank it, you. right? Yeah, if you're starving, even you're I gonna have my eat limits. it. <laughs> like Carl Jr. Mm, sorry, thanks. Well, you know what? It would have fed your hungry stomach, and he <laughs> threw it in the trash. That's true. But even my stomach's like, dude, no. But he wasn't Carl craving Jr., that. Man. He was craving alcohol. Yeah. He was totally honest with me. He goes, "I didn't ask you for food. I said, give me money she... because I need and, money and to buy say? alcohol." I was hurt. I was butthurt. I was butthurt that I did something nice for someone. To point to your butt and said, look, I'm butthurt. No, I simply said, look, motherfucker, it ain't ever happening again. It ain't ever happening again. This shit ain't happening again. Wait, so you did say it like that? Yeah, to my mind, I was like, pendeja once, but pendeja twice ain't going to happen again. It is not going to happen again. Wow. No, you know what? And, And again, so you're saying that because... The fact that everybody has an opportunity for something like, especially like homeless people. I mean, it's choice to an extent, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's a choice like like everything else. You choose to either mm, you're going to do something destructive or or, or, uh, or constructive. Well, I mean, I think honestly in California, but I've, I've lived in New York. I lived in Connecticut. I lived in California. And I've, oh, what? I've traveled, I've been blessed to travel, and I've found that it doesn't matter how much money you make, you're always a paycheck away from being homeless, especially Mm, here in California, Mm -hmm. because we owe so much to California. So in reality, if you don't make a paycheck, you're not going to make your mortgage payment. You're not going to make your car payment. You're not going to make your insurance payments. So. You're always a paycheck away from reality. In reality, it's going to be you're either you're either going to be in a home with a roof over your head or you're going to be homeless. Mm. So, you know, why not try to help the next of kin, the next person, the next, you know, but there's so many people that feel entitled to it. Yeah. That it bugs me to help. But when I was in Mexico, granted, I'm not from there. But when I was from Mexico, I my heart was just 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 crying for all these little kids that are out there trying to sell things. Everyone that was out there that was pet handling, it wasn't in a pet handling way that they felt entitled to earn money or for you to say, can I have a dollar? No, right. they were there trying to sell something. They were trying to earn their keep. Right, and right. that's what made me want to give them money. My hard earned money, I was willing to give it out. I was willing to to buy food and give it to people. I was willing to do everything I had to do to help them. Right. And that's what really got me. So I noticed that in reality, we work hard. We work hard every single day on the clock, off the clock. We work hard. But those things are what make you think 
that you are able to help someone that's less fortunate who mm-hmm. really deserve it. Right. That's where I felt warm. You know, I felt warm in Mexico. I wanted to help this family of four and feed them off of $20. Mm. I, I, I felt like this is what I want to do. Please take it. And they were like humbled to take it. But at the same time, they were just like, wow, really? Thank you. You know? Yeah. So people out here, they're like, look, mofo, I need this money. I need this money to get drunk and high or whatever. And it's just like, please peace out. I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know, I'm not doing it. So, Mm. you know, that's the difference. That's the difference out here for me, for, you know, for anyone out here, really, I don't want to help any homeless out here, but back in Mexico, I would. Gotcha. Back in Puerto Rico, I would. So because because it, it's it's not a take; it's like a give and take. They're, like you said, they're meant, they're giving something to get something in return. It doesn't matter what it is. Bottom line is they're they're providing you with something, and then you're giving them something in return. Well, even if it's cash. a little knickknack that they made, like a but little the fact that they went through the trouble, a little, of doing a little something that they put together with their hands, and they're just like, "I'm gonna sell this. I'm gonna sell this for a couple of pesos." Yeah, but. In reality, they didn't sell me any of it. It was just their humbleness that got me. Oh, gotcha. And, you know, okay. that they were looking hungry. And I'm, yet I'm eating something because I wanted to eat it, not because I was starving. Yeah. I ate it because I wanted to eat it. So here I'm willing to share it. Mm. And I think that's part of who I've become from this trip, that you want to help people that are humble enough to receive from you versus feeling entitlement and that's where i i learned that's what i learned from this trip i learned that from this trip that i don't want to help people that feel entitled i want to help people that really feel like they they don't deserve it and Mm -hmm. and it's like wow look what you gave me thank you you know and and that's where i feel absolutely great about it i feel humbled by it even more even more because yeah i'm working hard i make decent amount of money but I'm still humble to receive it. Right. But yet I will help somebody in a wheelchair to cross the street. I will help an old lady on a walker across the street. I'm still humble. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't feel entitled to it because I work hard to get where I'm at. But I'm willing to give when I have to, you know, when I feel that my heart tells me to. Yeah. And that's the difference. I don't want to give because my heart doesn't tell me to. I don't want to give it because you feel entitled. Yeah, and yeah, you yeah. cussed me out because I gave you money or I fed you instead, you know. And no, and the fact that, again, go, going back to the guy who basically put the food in the trash and like, no, I asked you, ask you for money to get alcohol. At least he was being honest. He was after he threw it away. Yeah, you see, probably if you would have said that in the beginning, maybe would you have given him the, you know, given him the, uh, the money for, for alcohol? No. No, not even, not just even like in Hollywood. I went to Hollywood a couple of weeks ago. I took a friend that came in from Florida to visit and I took him there and, and, and the sign said, I need money for hoes and drugs. And what? I was just like, wow, at least he's honest. I, you know, I would have given him a dollar just because he's honest. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He is. He's a free. He's an honest homeless man. Yeah. Do you want said, somebody? That I says, want money for hoes. And I mean, drugs. what what if you had a homeless guy that said, hey, can you give me spare some some change so I could donate it to a charity? That's lying right there. Right. You see, you, right. would you have given it to him? Mm, um, Maybe he got you on the charity part. I hesitated. I didn't give him a dollar. Well, I don't know. I, I would have said, man, you know what? Let me. Inter- could I interview, sir? Let me interview you <laughs> on my podcast. I'm going to put you on here. I want you to tell me everything about yourself. Like, he would have charged like, you a dollar. What? Like, what, why? <laughs> What caused you to be so honest? Right. Like, I appreciate that. Like, I literally appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, that's actually something that I'm telling you. 
I I would have given him five bucks. Oh wow! Oh, At wow. the most five fifty, but five bucks. Wow! Because I've been like, look, I I don't know if I agree with you, but I understand. Right. Yeah, right. I understand. Like, well, you got needs. I mean, man. that that's the thing that we take for granted nowadays is honesty. We don't take honesty yes. as we used to. And we were talking about that. Yeah, we were. We were right. Honesty about how it's like. Why is it that some people have problems? Being honest, especially with not only being honest with others, but honest with ourselves. I think that we focus on the approval of others. Mm-hmm. A lot of people feel that they are pressured to feel that they need the love of other people. So some people may feel that they have to present a certain characteristic or a certain attitude or a certain way that they should be just to be approved by other people. But yeah. in reality, you're just being a hypocrite. You're being fake. Mm-hmm. And people forget that you have to be genuine. And one of the things about me that I learned, especially on this trip, is that my true friends love me for who I am. They love me for being honest right from the get-go. All and right. I don't change. I don't change when every situation comes or arises that I'm still the same. Mm-hmm. I am brutally honest, but I'm loving. I'm brutally honest, but I'm giving. I'm brutally honest, but I am, you know, with my foot forward and I am like that ride or die chick, day or night. Right, right. Day or night. I'm one of those people and mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a fake. I am not one of those people like a jack in the box that comes out like a surprise and be like, hey, this is who I really am. No. I am who I am right from the get go. It doesn't change. So you either love me or hate me right at the beginning. Mm, love me or hate me right from the start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Damn. Absolutely. No, that, and that's and that's so true because, again, the fact that we... All, well, I mean, I've, I remember ta- saying this to myself because I've, I don't think I've told anybody per se, but I remember uh, in my own writings that I do because I have journals, but I, I wrote... And maybe it's because I was projecting because I think this is what I do a lot mm-hmm. of times is the masks that we all wear. We all wear masks. Mm-hmm. And I, I've always thought like, man, I, there's certain moments in life that I could see where I wore a different mask so I could be part of that. Because when you start thinking about your own personality and who we are as people, we know, I think the biggest important is not everybody does. Not everybody knows who they are per se, like or themselves. Like, who are they? What triggers them? Why Why do they get the way they get? Or what causes certain emotions or anger or frustration? And I think that's where a lot of people lack. I've always felt that people lack that. And I've always been like, man, it's important to know yourself. So in the process, I've kind of like analyzed my own life and said, man, I am able to wear masks mm-hmm. and, and I could do it. And so it's funny whenever I talk to people in, in person, they, they will, they'll tell me, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like you're like that kind of guy. You know, like they always say like, you're, no, you're not that kind of guy. I get that from my brother. Like, Bro, I don't understand. You, you've always been, you know, like this and you were like this when you were younger. And, you know, why are you all of a sudden you became this? And it's like, no, no, no. I think I've become who I've become. Because I've, I think I've, I'm comfortable with it now. But when I was younger, I don't think I was. I had, I felt like I had to wear masks mm-hmm. around people. And I think people mm-hmm. probably do this at work, at at functions, at school. Where if somebody's going to school, kids that nowadays they have to wear these masks. Kind of like social media. You people are wearing masks on social media. 
to be somebody that they're not. It's it's influential um, considerations. So here is where you have, as a child, you they tell you, be this way because this is how society is going to accept you. Right. And and your parents tell you, we you know, as they're molding us, mm-hmm. you know, they're telling us you have to be this way for society to accept you. But at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, in 2005, how many friends did I have? Ten. Mm. In 2015, how many friends did I have? Ten. In 2022, how many friends am I going to have? Ten. As long as that number stays consistent because it's the same people that love you all the way through versus the numbers decreasing. So how many friends did you have? In 2005, again, you have right. 10. Now, in 2015, five. Now, you mm. got a problem. Right, right. You know, it's the same consistent consistency. So, that just tells you where your personality lies. It just tells you that people are willing to accept you for who you really are. Mm-hmm. Whether you're white, black, Hispanic, a minority, or not a minority. Whether you are um, intelligent, not intelligent, educated, not educated. It doesn't matter it's who you are, whether you are gay, whether you are straight. It doesn't matter as long as you stay consistent. And those are the same people that are going to be there for you when chips are down, when things, you know, hit the wall and you really feel that you just don't find yourself anymore. Right. These are the same kind of people that are going to stay in your little circle. Yeah. And those are the same people that are going to keep you and, and drag you out of that circle. They're like, hey, you remember when you did this for me? Now I'm going to do this for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, those are the, I'd rather have a small circle of friends than have a huge circle of friends that are a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a very small circle of friends. I've always been that way my whole life. And I'm very selective on who I keep in my circle. So in that circle, I know who to come to. I know who my strong stems are. I know who my strong roots are. And I know that um, they understand me for my credibility and my character. And I I give them that back. So when I need something, I know who to come to. Right. And they know that vice versa. They know that I will repay whatever it is I maybe borrowed money from or whatever it was. And then they know they can come back to me and be like, hey, Maritza, can I get this from you? Can I, you know, can I borrow this from you? Absolutely. With no questions asked. Mm -hmm. So it's 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 relieving to know that you have the same amount of people and the same consistent friends all the way through life, whether yeah. you're in the state or not, whether you're in New York, whether you're in California, whether you're in Florida, whether you're in Puerto Rico, it doesn't matter. It's the same consistency that you have with this relationship with a certain amount of people. Yeah. So it's it's relieving to know that you have that. And whether you have a partner or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have a partner. If you did, then you're blessed. But if you don't, you have these friends that you can rely on because they know you and their spouses know you. Wait, are you so, really blessed if you're in a if you have a partner or you're in a relationship but yet you're miserable? Like are you really blessed? Uh no. I disagree. Oh, okay. So you're not blessed. You're not blessed if you have a partner that you're miserable with. You're a, so you're blessed if you are with a partner that no, you're comfortable with. You're blessed. I I personally think if you're you're blessed if you are comfortable who you are in your own skin day or night. Right. If you have to put a facade and fake who you are every morning or every evening or in bed or sleeping, you're not blessed. 
You're trying to be someone who you are not to com- to comply with someone else's needs. Now, okay, here's here's something that, that kind of like came to mind because and, and the reason why I hear so much of that, and again, I've uh, in our discussions, I know we've spoken about so many things, and one thing that I've shied away from a lot has been when it comes to speaking about religion, but yet I I do feel like there's obviously something out there, something humongous that I don't think we could put our finger on. And I don't think so. That's why, like, where does it become where to me, sometimes like the blessed part, it almost becomes this. It's a psychological thing. Right. So it's like I think you told me this morning where you're like, if you wake up every morning and you're happy with yourself, then everything's good. Right. So you could consider Mm -hmm. yourself blessed. Mm -hmm. But what if you wake up miserable because for one, you went to sleep bad or whatever mm-hmm. and you didn't sleep well during the night and you wake up and you're thinking about all these issues. Couldn't you consider yourself blessed, I guess, there too? Even though you kind of don't feel well, in the right place? I think that anyone who wakes up miserable is like a really bad hangover. It mm. takes about, the older you get, it takes longer to recover from a hangover. So I say if whatever the impact was that you woke up, went to bed miserable and you woke up even feeling more miserable. Right. It's going to take you a couple of days to get over it. So along the way, you're going to piss off the people that are closest to you, the people that have the first contact with yeah. you. And eventually that's going to become a wear and tear. It's like a car that's not functioning right. It's going to become a wear and tear to the, to the finally the point that the car breaks down. So these people are going to get so tired of your bullshit and your attitude every single day that they're either going to become scarce, they're going to move away from you, they're not going to talk to you anymore, they're just going to walk away, they're Mm -hmm. just going to leave you alone. And so now you're miserable by yourself and you're not sharing that misery because you know they say misery loves company. Sure, yeah. So when you're happy and you wake up happy and you decide, today I'm going to wake up happy, today you're going to put on your favorite song on the radio, whatever that song may be. It may be opera, it may be hip-hop, it may be reggaeton, it may be salsa, it may be merengue, whatever it is. Right. Wake up and push that song, whatever Mm. that song is that makes you happy. Honestly, it sets a mood. It sets a mood. Whether, you know, they say, I need coffee in the morning, that should be something that sets your emotion. That's what sets me off. I go into work and I'm blasting salsa, reggaeton in the morning and I'm, I'm I'm in a great freaking mood because when you turn off your car, that last song that was playing is constantly playing in your head all day long. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening to, if you had a bad breakup and you're listening to a song that makes you feel that you miss a person every, you know, even more. And then you're miserable. You're going to carry that same attitude all day long. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be a mope all day long. And people are not going to want to be around you. People, because happiness is very contagious. But so is the sadness. Is this barrier that you, this, this burden that you carry all day long. This cross that you're carrying for everybody else is so contagious. So what you transpire is what you get back. Mm. You got to remember that. And this is what people need to understand. What you transpire is what you get back. Right. You, you throw out energy, that energy, whether it's positive or negative, it's what you're going to get back. And eventually you're going to be that person 
oh my god yay marissa's here fuck we're gonna be happy today this is gonna be a great shift it's gonna yeah. be bomb or yeah. like oh fuck she's here god damn it don't talk to her damn. ass you know yeah. so you gotta you gotta decide who do you want to be that day yeah. do you want to be that inspiring person or do you want to be that person that drags everybody else down and makes the unit really bad i work 12 hour shifts that's a long freaking day to bring everybody else down. I want to be that person that brings everybody else back up. They'll be like, hey, Maritza, oh, shit, it's going to be a yeah, great fucking yeah. day. You know, yeah. that's what I prefer for people to say. Mm. So it doesn't matter whether I had a miserable night. I want to turn that shit around. I do that in the car, in the car, and I'm having my music, and I'm like, I'm going to have a great day, and I'm going to make everybody else around me happy. And yeah. you know what? Nine times out of ten, it works. Mm. It works for me because I give off that energy and they give it back to me. All right. And so by 5.30 p.m. when I'm clocking out, I'm great. I can hit the road. I can go to the gym. I have this this other energy that I can use. I have this other source. And I'm happy. You know, so I'm focusing on me. I'm focusing on me. I'm focusing on where I want to go, what I want to do, you know, have this new found energy after 12 hour shift. I'm just like, yes, do I go to the gym or do I go home and watch TV and drink a glass of wine? What do I do? But it doesn't matter. I don't even think about it anymore. I just know that my mood drives my results. You know, my mood drives where I'm going to go or Mm. am I going to go home and mope because everybody else was negative at work? I don't do that. So I drive with what I give. So I know that I'm going to get it right back. And I've been working with these people for 15, 17 years. What? Yeah. And so they already know. They already know, you know, if I'm coming quiet, they're like, oh, shit, somebody give this bitch some coffee. Mm. Or they're like, yes, she's happy. Let's do it. You know, let's let's feed off for her. So you have to decide who you want to be. You have to decide. You have to decide right before you walk in through that threshold of work and of employment or at home, even at home. Mm. If you're with a spouse or children or whatever, you have to decide before you walk through that threshold, who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Who are you going to decide to be and transpire that same energy so you get it right back? That's your decision. What am I going to be so I can get it back? Am I going to be negative? Am I going to get negative energy back and just crash? Or am I going to be positive and have a happy ending and go to sleep and be happy yeah. and wake up even happier the next day? That's where you need to decide. You don't have to hold anyone responsible for how you end your night or how you start your morning. That's all up to you. All up to you. Yeah, you know what? And that's actually that's actually a very good point. I, I think um, after a while, it's like everything else. You you It's your choice. And there's things obviously we don't have control of, but I think the things that we do have control are definitely within our own household, mm-hmm. especially like, like you're mentioning right now, waking up, man, mm-hmm. I, I can't tell you how many times I think growing up too. And this happened between like in my, in my own household when I was younger, that's how it was. Like my dad would set the tone. That's it. Mm-hmm. And then, so now where I'm at, I feel like sometimes I set the tone and it's terrible. It really is because that's where the friction comes in with my own kid and it's like, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're bumping heads mm-hmm. or or he'll do it because for whatever reason, he'll come home and he'll bring it. And there'll be times when I'm I'm on the opposite end and, next thing you know, I sense it from him. And it's like, oh, like I feel something. I don't like it. And then next thing you know, you start clashing. 
But yeah. you know what's what's the what's the funniest thing is that we notice them after we have done them. Yeah. Why is that? Damn. We notice but, these things that's after like they have happened. But that's okay because we can enlighten someone else. That's okay. That's Maybe. okay. Yeah. Because as we're going through them, you don't realize it. You don't understand it. There's a lot of things we don't understand. There's a lot of things in this universe we don't understand. But as it has happened and we see the results, you look back and you think, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I had the whole full control and I didn't even know. I didn't even know I had control. I didn't even know. Even as kids, you know, right now we think, oh, my God, this fucking kid is crying. What am I going to give him? What am I going to do to make him happy? Because he's crying, 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 crying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then especially now in society, you know, they want iPhones. They want uh, what is this new, you know, all this um, Xbox and PlayStation 4. I don't even know if 4 is like the modern one. I don't even know. Although, see, a lot of that stuff isn't bad, though, to an extent. I mean, to of course, like everything else, to an extent, because there's been studies where, you know, playing those kind of games actually is good. It's um, good. It's good to, again, like everything else, right? Like alcohol, like uh, even, I guess, I guess you could overread. Maybe somebody could mm. overread. But like binge watching on TV, playing a video game to an, if you think about it. And again, they've, they've done these studies where it, it kind of helps the brain because it does. It kind of relieves also the stress, but it, it kind of gives you some critical thinking and then you kind of like have to figure it especially if you're playing those kind of video games that require that but so does kickball okay so you so know the ball coming at you you know kicking no, the ball kicking into the field and running one two three four base you know you you know that yeah. was that was how i grew up See, I, on that regard kickball. those times are over yeah I well mean, people don't go outside and play it anymore you I, know i remember when my brother and i used to play sidewalk baseball Right. Yeah. And sidewalk. Did you ever play that? I don't know if you yes, played it. We have sidewalk baseball. That yeah. was awesome. All you needed, it was a sidewalk and a ball and a yeah. tennis ball. That's and it. A stick. No, well, actually not even a stick for us. It was literally the sidewalk. The concrete sidewalk was where we hit off of. And depending on where, where the ball went, that's what it was. Right. I remember like we would throw it and if the ball went over the, the person's head, like the fielder, it was a home run, like automatically home run. Mm-hmm. If, if it went through his legs, it was like a triple. It, it, like it was, we made up these rules as we went along, and of course, everybody adapted to it. But I mean, those are the things that I recall because at the time, what she's technology wasn't there, and my parents didn't buy us any electronics. I mean, my dad would buy us little stuff here and there. But yeah, I mean, it's changed. Well, I never had any of that. I was one of those. I played jacks, I played double dutch, and kickball. You know, so I look Damn. forward to being outside all day long. And as yeah. soon as my mother called us out, like at 7 p.m. when those mosquitoes are out biting, yeah. they're like, you know, come home, come and eat dinner and blah, blah, blah. And you couldn't even go out and play until you got your homework done. Mm. So it was like, rush, 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 get your homework done so you and can go outside, outside and play with your yeah. friends. You yeah. know, it's, it, it just seems like that was a more healthier um, upbringing than, OK, do your homework. If you get done with all your homework, then you can play video games. It's like, I think it's it, as parents, because I'm a parent, I'm a parent of two sons, and it, it's, it's, it forms a protection. It forms a way of keeping them indoors and keeping them safe 
versus going out and playing kickball and baseball and softball and all this, you know, other stuff that you went outside and looking forward to the ice cream truck. Every time you heard the song coming down the street, you just wanted ice cream truck, you know, things like that, which times have changed. Things have changed. The world isn't safe. So as a parent now, you think that this is how we keep control. This is how we control our kids. But at the same time, we're crippling them. We're crippling our kids because they're they're at home playing these video games. This is their shelter. This is where they feel right. safe. And when complicated get situation outside of the home, they can't cope. This is why we have a higher suicide rate. This is why we have kids that can't cope with issues or drugs or peer pressure. And, you know, when these new kids are coming out as gay or not gay or all these new different acronyms or definitions of being gay. Right. There's so many definitions out there I don't even understand. But at the same time, there's so much peer pressure that we decide that sheltering our kids, playing video games at home is their safe zone. In reality, it's not. Right. It's when we were when we were growing up. This is why we become strong adults because we are able to evolve in in being out in the environment and getting to know people and getting to know your neighbor and the friends and other kids down the street. And we become stronger that way right. versus just at home with your family mm. or the kids on the Internet with these microphones and these Bluetooth. And in reality, they're not exposed to the kind of stresses that we have been through. Right. And and we're only making them weaker. We're only making them more handicapped. So, you know, turn the games off. Turn these off and let them go out and let them go out and play and make real friends let them be awkward and feel weird and yeah. and and realize what's weird you know yeah, let them yeah. learn what's the difference and and we don't do that to our kids as often as we should you know and i i really think that parents who feel that they're being safe with all the games they're they're in control the, their kids are in sight yeah i can see my kid versus shit what are they doing down a block and a half yeah yeah you know, it's it's that loss of control that we fear as parents. Yeah, but but here's now here's the issue with trying to change all that. Okay, I feel this was my personal opinion. I don't speak for anybody, but the fact that society is changing in that direction of the video game thing, and yeah, and just the the world is becoming what it is, which is uncomfortable. I I think it's one of those things where. At the same time, the shift has been overprotecting. Obviously, that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's like parents have become overprotective. Mm-hmm. Okay, They're the whole uh, there was there's a cutoff where the generation now is like oh overprotective, and I think that's going to be tough to change, especially as time goes on. Because as long as you have social media and you have people. That continue to create these safe zones and the words being, you know, the names of like snowflakes and 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 all that's being accepted, like where people don't want to get hurt. Like mm-hmm. people don't want to get hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, no, you don't want feelings to get hurt. Mm-hmm. You feelings have to get hurt. Somebody has to lose so somebody could win. It's like these things of where you know the ribbons and the trophies and now everybody gets a participation certificate type of thing it's like no 
in order to get to become a, a, a specific individual that's going to try to get more out of life, you have to go, like you mentioned, you have to get go through those hard times, which is, what did I do wrong? Like, what could I have done better for the next time? Well, now, I mean, in reality, who do you think is going to strive a lot longer in life? Someone that has been sheltered and protected and, oh, woe is me, my feelings were hurt. Or someone that they got their feelings hurt, build up that strong exterior and, and, and build this harder shell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the reason, that's the interesting part about when a lot of people come to this country and a lot of them get into business and stuff like that, they, they tend to be the ones that are in charge, right? Mm-hmm. So they're the ones that have workers under them mm-hmm. that, and again, some of these people don't come, they're not from this country. They come from another country. They come here, they start businesses and they have people in this country working for them. Mm-hmm. Like obviously these individuals that came from other countries, probably their life was probably not that easy. Especially when you make a decision to literally change countries Mm -hmm. to go to a completely different place that you have no idea how it is and you adapt to it. Mm -hmm. Yet you have people in this world that can't adapt to it. It's like we live in this country and some people can't adapt and then they get mad because they don't get what they want. Oh, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't you know this and that. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, butthurt. And then that just changes. It's like. I'm amazed by that. But I remember hearing somebody say one time that there's somebody that came from, I think somebody came from Israel or something like that. And in Israel, they obviously, they they have everybody join the military, like no matter what. I think Mm -hmm. it's two years, I believe, is what they have them join. Mm -hmm. So they participate in everything. It's war. It's like, you know, you get shot at, kill people or whatever. And somebody said that, you know, they come to this country after, after they gotten out of the military. They come to this country, they get into business or whatever, and they have literally, they don't fear anything regarding like, Oh, business and what's going to happen, this and that, because they've already gone through shit. Mm -hmm. So somebody was saying where the, the 22 year old from another country or in this case, Israel, the, you know, they're more mature than a 40 year old here because here it's like, everything's been given to you. You really don't have to work for it because everything is being provided schooling on and on and on. Someone from another country comes here and they're like, they didn't have any of that. Mm-hmm. That's why when you start looking at baseball players, for example, here are the parents want to buy the kids everything, right? Top of the line shoes, top of the line gloves, the bats, the bags. Dominican Republicans, I saw these kids, their gloves were made out of milk cartons. Mm-hmm. Then you wonder why they're better fielders than everybody else. Right. They literally are nothing. Mm-hmm. They run in some, some of them don't even have shoes or they're running in like these sandals and they're playing with sticks. Mm-hmm. How, why is it they could hit better? Cause the sticks are like thin. They can, they're, they're like coordination is way better than here. It's like, here's all nice bad. I don't know because I did that to my son. I mm-hmm. bought him the good stuff mm-hmm. and he ended up playing baseball past a certain point. But it's like, I admire that somebody will come from another country and they're like, man, full blown, like we're going to, we're going to make something happen. No matter what. Here's, I think, here's, I think where the difference is the drive and the desire. You see, and that, where does that come from? Where does the drive and the desire come from? I think the difference is how bad do you want it? True. So you can desire it all your life. I desire to be rich. I know I'm never going to be rich, but I'm not going to be rich. But am I going to be able to pay my bills? I'm I'm satisfied with that. Wait, so you're saying rich financially? 
Because if you think in terms of kind of like what we're talking about, uh, what I'm talking about, blessed and not blessed, wouldn't you say you're rich? I want to be rich where I'm well, completely debt You want to have wealth. I Yeah, wealth. Financially yeah. set. Yeah. Okay, okay. Sure. But you're rich in many ways. Sure, I am. Okay. I am, right. but that's where I'm going. So I have a half-sister who's older than me who has somewhat the same type of career that I am, but we're not the same level in the career. And so her career, she blames me for her deficits. Whoa. She blames me for being a U.S. citizen from Puerto Rico because we're U.S. citizens and she is a U.S. citizen of Guatemala. And she says that she didn't have the same opportunities that I had. Mm. And I said, no, don't get that twisted. I had the same opportunities you had. I just had different drive. So it's an individuality. So I could have been, it could have been a, a it could have been t- completely turned around because I might have felt entitled. I probably would have had her career and she would have surpassed. Right, right, right. But it's the drive of every each and each an individual. It's there for you if you want it. Right. You have to find a way. You have to figure out how bad do you want this to get above and surpass everyone else. And that's where your drive comes in. And that's where the courage and the and the the, the, the starvation that you have to succeed. Because I have I've I've been very successful or not successful, I should say, in certain areas. I, I was a business owner of two businesses. Oh, that's right. That's right. You had your nail salon, and right? I had my, my hair, salon. hair salon. I had a bridal shop and I didn't succeed. But those things taught me lessons where I wanted to be. And I wanted to go into healthcare and I became mm. a professional healthcare provider. Right. And, and, and even then I, I started at the lowest level and I climbed and I kept climbing and I kept climbing. I became hungrier. And to where I, I figured that I wanted to be at the point financially where I wanted to be. And even still then, at 47 years old, I'm still not suffice where I'm at. Right. I still feel like I need to step, like climb one more step to get up there. Right. And so she's angry at me because on, on the ladder of career, I'm a little higher than her. But she's pissed off at me because she didn't get same opportunities I didn't get. Mm. But I told her, you have those opportunities. You just didn't seek in the right places. You weren't striving hard enough. That's where the difference is. And I think that's where the desires lie. It desires causes, you know, an effect of a reflect of where your life is going to be. Don't be pissed off at the next person because they made it. Be pissed off at yourself because you didn't make it. And that same anger should push you to strive even higher. I strive off of anger. I'm one of those people. I strive off of anger. So I don't strive off of self pity. I strive off of anger. With your anger because I'm obviously, obviously, there's there's a division of being constructive and being destructive. So you're constructive with your anger because right. being angry is okay. It's how we use the anger. But people stay stuck. Well, yeah, be, well, they get stuck in most 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 of the time destructive. Right. And this is I've been destructive. Right. I have completely been destructive. I'm like, my no, anger. fuck you. I'm going to get one step higher <laughs> than you. And I'm going to get you. I'm going to look at down at you versus you looking up at me right, or whatever right. it is. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to look up at you and envy you. I'm going to look up at you and be like, I'm going to get to your level. Right, right. That's where I'm at. Mm. You know, that's my personality. That's my attitude. 
And I think that if more people thought that way, like instead of envying you, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to use you as an example. Yeah. I'm going to get high right. as you and maybe even higher, maybe even higher. And, and, and this is what envy, you know, as a little kid, people said, you know, even my mother, my mother was one of those people who envy you will bring you down. And so you have to ignore those people. Right. And you have to keep moving forward. And so I was one of those people. If you envy me, okay, fine. I'm going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to extract you from my life because you're a negative ion in my life. Right. I need positive ions, you know, something that we learned in, in school. And so positive ions, like, you know, even though we have to have negative to balance ourselves, that pushes you forward. Mm -hmm. And I kept pushing forward. So yes, I was a proprietor, as a young person, as a young adult, but I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy where I was at. And so I felt that I needed to be more productive as a provider, mm. which is where I'm at as a healthcare provider. Right, right. You know, I was providing a service as a young adult, but I wasn't suffice. I wasn't happy with myself. Right. And I didn't feel that that's where I needed to be. So I, I aimed higher. And gotcha. I, I craved higher education and I craved more things to where I felt that I was providing for the public, which is where I'm at now. Right. And so therefore I love the bedside contact I have with a lot of my patients and I love being a nurse and I love being a provider. I love making someone happy at the end of the day. When I clock out, I really feel like I made someone else's life different. Right. I provided you impacted them. I, I and, and I'm going to be remembered because I run into them in the supermarket. They're like, what? oh, my God, that's Maritza. That was my nurse. And really? I'm like, oh, shit, I don't remember you, you know. Oh, well. But I was like, was it good? Was it bad? No, no, you were amazing, you know. And so, you know, a little story that my um, I told you that my son is doing, you know, meal preps. Right, right. And he um, he got asked to cater a wedding. And oh, wow. he went to um, this wedding, you know, person, you know, they wanted to make some food for their wedding. And it turns out that she was my patient like what? 10 years ago. And she was like, oh, I know Maritza, you know, she saved my life. This woman found something wrong in me that she alerted everyone else and literally saved my life. And he felt like, oh, shit. My mom really impacted someone's life, you wow. know, and she went on and on and on talking about me. I wasn't even there. And he felt this. I, I'm assuming, you know, he came back and he gave me this huge hug and he's just like, Mom, I'm really happy that you really made a difference in someone's life that if it wasn't for you, they wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. And you know what that kind of stuff does to someone that, you know, they're they're celebrating you know, their kids being 10 years old. She had a set of twins. Her name is Ashley. She had a set of twins. And now she is, you know, renewing her vows with her husband. I mean, that's how happy she is. So she's like totally indulging in her life where she really realized, you know, I'm at where I'm at because of certain people. I mean, I'm, I'm that small 1%. I'm that 1% that made her life different. Right. You know, why she's still here uh, amongst all the other things that have made her life 
Wow. You know, absolutely amazing. That is. But it's great to be part of that percentage. Yeah. Even though it's 1%, but 1% is better than nothing. Yeah. You know? Half a percent is better than nothing. Quarter of a percent <laughs> is better than nothing. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. It's something, right? And it's, it's not like, you know, like in the banks, you know, they give you nothing in your in your money that you're putting in there. So I guess I guess at the end of the day, I think what I'm I think what all this this topic is really getting at is what do you want to prove in life? What do you want to leave when you're gone? What kind of fossil do you plan to be or even even if you are a fossil? You know, so make it make it to the point where if you had people to go to your funeral, what would they say about you? That's where life really is about. What would they say about you? What would they say? Were you this person who was an utter asshole and deserved to be in the grave? Or would you say, you know, this world lost someone valuable, someone who made a difference, someone who made people smile, someone who made someone feel great at the end of the day. Hmm. What would you say? I think at, at the end of the day is what is your goal? What do you want people to say about you when you're gone? That's what your goal should be. Hmm. Every morning you wake up. Who do you want to be at the end of the day? If today should be the last day you're here in existence. <laughs> I'm Batman. Yeah, again. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, Who do you want to be? That's a very good point. I, I mean, that's that's one of those things where you're right. Like, what? I mean, again, it, it, it's it different for everybody because, like, I've always thought about, like, I don't want a funeral, I, whatever, small group of, fam- of of my family and cremate me and done. Like, get it over with. There's no point. I'm done. Right. Like I, I don't want one of those humongous funerals. It's a waste of money. I, I don't want no, don't no. But no. you would want to be remembered. Th- that's basically the only thing. But again, going to what we were speaking about earlier, but regarding creativity, right? Mm-hmm. The part about creativity where I was telling you that for for me, the way that I see creativity, it has to be a spark. It's got to be a spur of the moment type of thing. Sometimes, mm-hmm. all right. You can't choose to be creative all the time. It's almost like it has to hit you. In these odd times. And sometimes you could be asleep and next thing you know, boom, creativity hits you. But I was telling you that the the kind of like the analogy of it being like a match for me. That's, that's how I see it in my head. So for me, it's like a box of matches. You have a match and then, you know, but you don't have, you don't have the, I don't have the, the scratcher on there so I could turn on the, the, the match so I could light it. So it's almost like I'm trying to find something that I could rub it against so that it does, it does spark. And... It, does it spark here? Does it spark there? Could I spark it there? It's like it, it just depends on what I could rub it against so it could spark. Mm-hmm. And and then when it does light, like I only have a certain amount of time until that thing just whatever goes out. That idea, that creative spark that I had, it's like ugh, if I don't take advantage of it and maybe transfer it to another st- a matchstick, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how I see it. So mm-hmm. for me. It, it's one of those things where it's it it's difficult, and that's the reason why there'll be a lot of times when I have unfinished things, unfinished ideas, unfinished projects, or ideas that come and go. And that's why it's important, obviously, to have a, a pen and pad or even on your phone, 
so you could record an idea because they come all the time and they come at odd times too. But, um, and I don't even know why I was making that point. Well, I think that, I think your point is that if, and from what I understand it, that if you have to strike that match and match it to another match, so the flame keeps going to the right people. Right. So if you strike a match and your flame goes out, then that just tells you that person does not need to be around you. But if you strike a match and it, the fire continues, then you're lit all the way around and it's carried all the way around. Kind of like those luau's when you have those, what do you call those? Those um, Torches? Torches, yeah. So you light a torch and you keep lighting it. But right. if it goes out, then the the torches don't keep going, right? right so you right, can't yeah. light the luau. Yep. So same thing with the match. The same concept with personalities and people that you touch. Sometimes you can preach certain things and, and discuss certain things with some people, but you can discuss it till you turn blue in the face. It doesn't impact their barrier. It doesn't transpire. It doesn't go through. So you're wasting your time. It's a wasted energy. So you need to move on to the next match. Right. You know, this is where you start to decide how many people do you want in your circle? Do you want 10 valuable people or do you want 30 fake people? Who do you want to light? You know, ask yourself, do I want to light this person? Am I going to, is it going to stay lit? Or am I going to light this person and light five people, but it's going to go out? Now you got five matches that go out. Versus just one. Well, you, I mean, you know, to me, the matches thing, too, is not only like with people, but it's more like with the ideas also. Like, that's important to me. Mm-hmm. There, There's something that I came across a while back called six, 16 Personalities. I don't know if you've heard of that before, mm-hmm. but my sister's the one who actually told me about it because she said that when she was t- in the process of becoming a nurse, they had given it to her and then she sent it to me. And I remember I took it and I, and when I took it, I was like, what? What's that? That's mm-hmm. crazy. But the, basically you answer all these questions and you have to be as honest as possible because mm-hmm. you're only going to get results based on what your questions, uh, what your answers are. And it's called 16 personalities. And then it kind of gave, gave me what I was. So it broke it down. And according to them, it was like six different personalities. And it's based on the Myers-Briggs. So based on the Myers-Briggs of your personality of, you know, are you introvert, extrovert, blah, blah, blah. It goes down the list of mm-hmm. all these things. And so when I took it, I mean, it, it hit me down to a T. Like literally I was like, wow, that's that's me. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things that it told me was that um, the analytical part. Right? I, I think a lot. I'm a thinker. I think too much. But the one the one thing that it did mention on there was the fact that I value Cause it was like, it's like yeah, your personality type doesn't do very good with people, right? That's what my that's what it was saying in my description. Because I bought the end up buying the book. I'm like mm-hmm. they had this book and this thing about career paths, and it tells you about friends, it tells you about relationships, on and on. And it it was saying on there, and it's like this personality type values ideas and theories more than communication with people, mm-hmm. right? And I, when I when I read that, I was like, whoa, that's so true. Like whenever I come across a person, it's not, it's, it's not even about, can I get along with this person? It's what can I, what ideas can I get from this person? Mm-hmm. That's, that's the, that's what I come up. Mm-hmm. That's how I do it. Like, it's not even 
the personality or sometimes it's not even about that. It's what can I ideas? What can I get from this person? Right. What can I learn from this person? Mm -hmm. Because if I if I have nothing to learn, it's done. Mm -hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Like I never, I never talked to that person ever again. Right. Which is what's happened in my life. It's like, oh, this person wasn't, you know, to me, like, and it sounds, this might come off as being an asshole, but it's like a person that valuable for me. Well, like, remember I said earlier, the zombie analogy. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So what I said that you can be totally attractive. You can be totally appealing to someone else's aspects of what they think is attractive or sexy or appealing right but if your brain does not attract my attention i don't want it so if i can't feed off of your brain yeah and move on to the next one and gain something else and gain knowledge and gain knowledge i feed off of people's brains right you know i may not be the smartest person in the world but that's why i crave so much of someone else's knowledge show me Show me something different. Right, right. Teach me something different. Yeah, exactly. I may know different things than you, but I want to know more. Right. So I may think I'm a smart ass and I may think I'm smart, but I'm not the smartest person in the world. I also want to know what I know different from you. Yeah. I want to know your different opinions and then I can decide whether I want to share it with someone else. Right, you see, right. Where it becomes a contagious disease that yeah. you want to share with someone else. So... <clears throat> I think that that's where um, that that hunger strives from. Right. Know? Do I want to feed off of you or do I want to feed off of someone who, you know, do I want to feed off of someone who has a lot of things to share that can actually make me survive and share with someone else? Or do I want to feed off a bunch of emptiness right, and just right. become emptiness and just become this 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 freaking I don't know, fish in a pond that has nowhere to go and doesn't even get caught in a damn, you know, whatever and become someone's meal. Right, I, I right. just don't want to become that person. I want to be empty. I don't yeah. want to be empty. I don't want to be empty. So I want to feed off of you. I want to feed off of you. I want to feed off of you mm. and see where I go. Yeah, yeah. And feed someone else. No, and, and I think that's how it should be. It should be like, uh, you know, that whole entire pay it forward type of thing. Well, you want to pay forward somebody... With some knowledge and information that you've received that they, somebody could benefit from, right? And 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 I think that's that's how I've seen it, and that's a lot of times how it works for me. Where it's like, yeah, I don't have a lot of friends, and I don't, and I'm okay with it. Like it's mm-hmm. fine. Like I can care less. Mm-hmm. That's why when we're talking about, I think that's where that's where I was getting at regarding the whole entire what the people wanting your funeral type of thing. And it's like for me, honestly, what 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 I prefer that I leave behind is things that I did. Mm-hmm. That there's nothing more to show a person's existence of somebody that lived that actually has something that they lived for mm-hmm. and something that they left behind and that shows that they lived. Mm-hmm. Whether it doesn't matter whether for me, obviously, it's the creative part. So it could be audio, it could be video, it could be artwork, uh, building sculptures for architects, doesn't matter, but something that was built, mm-hmm. something that was created, something mm-hmm. that was put together from an idea and a thought. Because everybody's got thoughts and carried on, and, yeah, and it carries on. That's mm-hmm. the reason somebody like um, like Andrew Carnegie, which is the 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 richest man you know in, in the world at one point back in the nineteen uh, hundreds, 
And he's the one who actually got together with Napoleon Hill and kind of showed him around to talk to some of these uh, wealthy people in, in the world at the time that, so he can get these ideas. And that's why he wrote the book, Thinking Grow Rich, right? So for him was once he made all that money, it was like this time to give it away. Mm-hmm. How was he going to be remembered? Easy. There's Carnegie Hall in New York. Mm-hmm. There's a library that he did. You know, like there's all it's kind of like Rockefeller Center. Those guys, they said, how we're going to die. What else we got? Mm-hmm. Might as well put it to use and build something with mm-hmm. it. So those are the things that if you could do something like that, I mean, that to me is the greatest. Well, that's why I feel. Legacy. That's why I feel that the, the nursing career is very fulfilling because as long as you can impact one person, even though you have a bunch of negatives around you, right? you can impact one person to carry on your name that they know you by name, that they know you by either Caesar or Maritza, that they know you by name. Right. They can carry that on to the next life and the next conversation and the next experience. They'll be like, oh, no. Even if they went back and had another experience, they're like, well, my last person did not treat me that way. And they compare you. You become the next level. You have set the bar mm-hmm. for someone else's expectations. You know, so even in relationships, we do that all the time. You have a really bad relationship and then you have someone that may bring up the bar way further up. And then that becomes your new bar. That becomes your new expectation. So you never want to settle for less. Right, right. So this is why some people end up being single for a long time. Yeah. Because we have a new bar that we have a new expectation. This is what I want in my life. I don't want this shit anymore. I want this. And so that new bar becomes something that someone else has to step up to, you know. So you sit around and you wait and you and you bounce off and you you feed off every single person you mm-hmm. meet in your life. And you're like, is this relationship material? Is this someone I can feed off of? Is this someone that I'm going to be starving the next morning to know about? You know, that's what you strive for. That's what you strive for. Am I going to sit here and be absolutely bored in a conversation and a cup of coffee in the morning? Or am I going to be sitting here looking forward to that cup of coffee because I want to learn something new about this person? And that's where I think great relationships are, are, are restored and done over and over every single day. And for me personally, that's what I want. Mm. That's what I want. If I'm going to get into a new relationship, I want someone to feed me. I want someone to feed my mind. Oh, okay. (laughs) My mind. Because at the end of the day, yeah, we may have, you know, we may have great experiences. We may have great sex. We may have a great dinner. But at the end of the day, it's that conversation, it's that mind stimuli that we look for. Mm -hmm. So when we're 70, 80, 90 years old, that's all that's left. That's all that's left. And so if you don't, establish that right from your 40s or your 30s or your 50s if you don't establish that right from the get-go at the end of the day you're going to be left with a bunch of nothing you know that 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 this is where alzheimer's kicks in and this is where all these dementias kick in because you don't have that constant mind stimulation i prefer someone to stimulate my mind nine times out of ten on a daily scale any day yeah, we, we strive on the physical contact, the the physical 
attributes about someone looking good and sexy. But if you don't stimulate my mind at the end of my my late years, mm-hmm. I'm not going to have that stimulation. I'm not going to live anymore. I'm right. going to be empty. Right. Yeah. You know, we we strive on the sexual chemistry. We sex. You know. We strive on the 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 verbal chemistry. We strive on the physical chemistry. Right. But all that shit fades mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Alzheimer's kicks in and we have all these dementias and things like that. If you don't have that mind simulation, you're you're a bunch of nothing at the end of the day because you don't remember. You don't remember. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to remember my partner. Mm. I want to remember my partner, whether he was all these things at the beginning, but I also want to remember him at the end. I don't want to be like that notebook story where I forget who he is. I kind of remember who he is. But I I want to remember. I want to die knowing who he is, not that he once was. I want to die remembering who he is right. next to me at that time. So I think that a lot of people get that confused where they want that physical connection. They want that physical, you know, chemistry. Mm-hmm. No. You got to have that mental mental chemistry. You have to have that because if you don't have that mental mental chemistry at the end of the day, you're left with a bunch of nothing because mm-hmm. the mind is the last thing to go. My memory's gone better. And I think I was telling you that I, I, I've my memory. Here's the one in the one thing about memory that I find very, 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 very weird. The fact that in this personality thing that I was telling you too, it's the fact that even though in my personality book, it did say, if it doesn't interest you, you you won't remember it, right? Mm-hmm. Which is selective memory. But at the same time, I think um, there's been a period of time in my life where I've really been hit by the in by the depression mm-hmm. bug, and I was uh, kind of hearing a, a psychiatrist talk about that and say that if a person has been in a depressed mode for a period of time, after a while, it does start affect how your mind processes things and it starts affecting memory. It starts affecting so on and so on. So I did a little research and I was like, Oh, let me, let me look into this. And, and and I found a site that mentioned that where it said like your long-term memory is okay. It's not the, you know, cause that's why you, you could remember certain things from a long term, but it's a short-term memory that gets affected. And I, and I'm like, Whoa, cause I've started realizing that my short-term memory sucks. It mm. really, 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 really sucks. And I've always felt that, like I've struggled with that even since I was a, uh, like a teenager because mm-hmm. when I, when I started feeling the the effects of um, which even at the time I didn't even know what it was so I just know that it was I was something was wrong and I didn't start doing something about it until my late thirties but I realized like my short attention span was also bad like it was terrible so I, it's not like I've so I felt like I've struggled with the mental issue for a while it's not like it happened like yesterday it's been going on for years. The fact that I barely tried to figure something out later on, like like I said, in my late 30s sucks because I wish I would have done something sooner. But I don't know. Like, don't I don't know what, what's going on. But the further that I look into it, the, the more where I'm like, well, that's pretty disturbing that the, the, the brain after if you're in such a mindset, you know, like a mood, man, it, your brain's going to get affected. Well, I think that, you know, um. Being a, being a nurse, we learn the, the the psychological side of it all. Right. 
But in reality, I think that men live their experiences through hard hits. For example, like a stab. Right. You know, a wounding stab. So you have now a scar to continuously remind you mm. of something that dramatically happened in your life. Right. And this is this is something you're never going to forget. And so this is something that you're always going to remember. You're always going to reflect to that. Right. And all this short term memory stuff and the things that don't really impact you, that they really just don't touch you. Mm-hmm. If it's not stabbing wound feeling, you're not going to remember it. Versus women who are like elephants and remember everything. <laughs> uh, I, right? hear, I hear about And yet that. the stabbing wounds become our... Um, our downfalls. That's mm-hmm. our, that's our, um, how we, our way of reacting to, to things that reflect our decisions. Like, Oh, this really happened in my life and I will never let that happen again. And so this is why I'm going to avoid that problem mm-hmm. versus men. They're like, yes, that's what happened to me. And you know what? That's the kind of thing that you actually look for. Versus women, they're like, no, that's what hurt me. I'm not going to look for that anymore. Versus, you know, women just trying to figure out a different way of dealing with it. Men just just take it in and just be like, yes. So we hold on to it? Yeah, you guys hold on to it. Women don't. Women just like, no, I don't want to live that life anymore. I'm not going to do it again. And you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm not going to do it again. (laughs) And we move on to the next nerd. Is that why men will always find that specific woman that you know like reminds him of something to somebody else maybe but i think it's the type of impact the type of impact i think that men strive on the type of impact so it depends how big the wound is Mm. that totally determines whether they stay in contact or not if you give them a small abrasion it heals right but if you give them a big stabbing wound, they're like, holy Which is like a divorce. Shit. A divorce yeah. is a big, is a, is yeah. a deep cut. But I'm more, I don't know. I don't know me, my personality. I, I give you enough cut to be like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> damn. I survived that. I can do it again, you know, Whoa. kind of thing. You know, that that's where I'm at. So I don't know. I think I have that type of contagious personality. Mm. I think that. I, I consider myself not easily forgettable. Uh, I guess that's that's true, and that's also very conceited. So, um, <laughs> I mean, sure, you know, what the heck? You have I'm to, not forgettable. You have to toot your own horn. Ah, well, that you might be conceited toot. to you, but hey, uh, look, this is where you're at right now, no, this I, very moment. That's true. I mean, it, it right? is. It is. I mean, so right now, what would you say to some of the females and, uh, and also males? Regarding dating, because I mean, obviously, we're older, mm-hmm. but man, I see some of the stuff that goes on right now, and I'm like, damn. I I mean, I started I started my dating career, which is a career by now, mm-hmm. um, when I was like 29, mm-hmm. I think. And so when I first started doing it, it was like you only had match match dot com, mm-hmm. and I think there was like Yahoo Personal. So I started off with these sites, right, little by little, and then whatever, whatever. Right. And and at the time, it was almost like, man, well, I got to get out because I was a single parent, and I'm like, I need to get out there and start mingling and start figuring things out. But then it's become such a, 
like I said, a career choice, I guess, that that's that's where it's also difficult to get into a relationship for me on my part. It's mm-hmm. really, really is. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to sit there and be like, OK, I'm going to just jump and in, jump into a relationship just because everybody thinks that a person should be in a relationship. But like, what would what do you have? To well, say? I think that's where a lot of people make the mistakes. They feel that they are meant to be with someone else to be happy. Yeah, there you go. Well, no, we established that this morning in our conversation. You cannot make someone else happy if you're not happy if you're with not who happy. you are. Yeah. In yourself. Yeah. So if you're looking for someone else to make you happy, it's not going to happen. Right. It's not going to happen. If you're not happy with yourself, if you're not happy with your life and, and the, the the financial goals, the emotional goals, the physical goals, because even physical goals, you know, someone's not physical happy or who they are they're not going to make someone else happy if they're not confident enough you know i can be i can have my flaws but if i'm not confident enough physically i can't make you happy i can't make i can't get you turned on if i'm not turned on with myself so you know all those things play a factor so the fact that some people feel that they have to be with somebody to be happy to be with a partner to be happy that's a misconception. You have to be happy with who you are. Everything else around you is a bonus. Mm. Every person around you is a bonus. You have to be happy with who you are. And if you have to be 100% happy with who you are, everybody else is a bonus. Right, right. So you can be at 110, 120, 130, 150, 100, 200. Mm. You may find your perfect match. But until then, it doesn't matter. As long as you're at 100 then you're happy mm-hmm. and you can make someone else happy. You're content and you can share that same happiness with someone else. So it doesn't matter. You don't have to be, um, if you're at 50%, that's all you can give. And that's all you're going to get back. Yeah. No, that's true. You, what you give is what you get. I right. mean, most of the time. Right. Um, that's why it's, yeah, no, you're right. I, I think that makes, that makes, that makes perfect sense. So, I mean, what you're saying, like, triggered something just right now in my head, right? Talk about long term. Mm-hmm. Talk about something that was a cut. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I first got married, because I got married at 20. And so, somewhere along the line, like 21, 22, which I was already unhappy at that point. But I remember saying that to my ex-wife at the time. And she was young, too. So, shit. I mean, we're, we're basically kids. I remember saying, I am dying inside. Like I'm dying inside. I didn't, I didn't even know what it was, but I already felt like I was dying inside. Like something inside of me, my spirit, my creativity, whatever it was, it was dying. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the the position that I was in, the stress. I didn't want to be. I didn't want to be there. Like I don't want to be married. It's like, but you know, obviously we had a kid, so it's like that's why. Mm-hmm. Okay, you were forced into a situation. I felt that I was forced, but even though I'm the one that forced myself in reality. So the truth is, is like that just triggered right now, though, about how um, at that moment I felt like and I remember saying the words exactly what you just said right now at that time. I can't make you happy if I'm not happy. Like, I remember that I can't make you happy. And I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's what obviously what ended. But I couldn't because I wasn't happy with myself. Like, I, I, I disliked everything and and I've carried that with me for years now. 
And so these little things that we still hold on, you know, the whole entire up in the air rocks in the backpack. Those are the things I'm still carrying. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this morning. And you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, you still carrying the bag of shit. I'm like, yeah, I still have the bag of shit. The mm-hmm. bag of shit isn't ripping yet. I haven't mm-hmm. ripped it. I haven't mm-hmm. cut through. But I feel like we're all carrying a bag of shit. Mm-hmm. And we're just holding on to it, and you're like, yeah, and we're dragging it, and we're dragging it with us, and then we're like, what smells? Mm-hmm. Something smells. I don't know what it is, but something smells, mm-hmm. and it's like we don't realize it's the bag of shit we have, mm-hmm. the bag of shit we're carrying. And I don't know. It's weird how that just triggered right now that you were saying that, it like triggered in my head. Well, I've I learned to realize that we carry so much on a daily basis. And like I said, that if I didn't find myself to let go just recently and take my vacation and just get up and go. Yeah. I was going to cut somebody's face open. (laughs) You know, I was capable of that. Right. right. I really was. Mm. I don't like to consider myself the violent type, but I'm like the sleeping bear. You poke at it and poke at it and poke at it. The hibernating bear is going to wake up and attack you. Sure. yeah, yeah. And that's who I, I was starting to become. And so with that. Being said, I learned to realize that I got to take care of me and I got to let that bag go. Not find a new bag, just let the bag go. Mm. Whether I start getting a new bag and start putting new shit in it, that's totally up to me. But I literally had to let that bag go because Mm. it was deteriorating me. It got to the point where it was eating me alive and it was becoming me. And so if I didn't let that go, I I wasn't able to flourish in who I am at this very moment. Right. At this very moment, I I got a lot of shit I need to take care of. Like I said earlier, there's a lot of things that need my attention. But you know what? Fuck it. It's going to be there. It's going to be there where I take care of it today. It's going to be there where I take care of it next week. It's going to be there. Right. So I will take care of it when I'm ready, Mm. when I'm emotionally ready, when I'm mentally stable to deal with it. Because I don't want it to impact my life where it's going to affect who I am on a daily basis. Right, right. So with that being said, when it comes to new beginnings, new relationships, new life, you have to be satisfied with who you are. Make the changes today. Make them today. Don't think maybe one day, maybe someday. No, Mm. today today because our time goes by so rapidly so quickly if you don't act today you're never gonna see it you're never gonna see it make those changes today and realize who you want to be tomorrow Mm. who do you want to wake up and be tomorrow do you want to be someone happy do you want to be someone miserable do you want to be someone that carries 10 12 you know, 30 pounds of weight of someone else's bullshit. No. Who do you want to be today? I would choose to wake up, you know, stress-free. I choose to wake up baggage-free. That's, I think that's a way to do it. That's it. I mean, that's it. Geez. I think that's a way to do it right there. Hit the world like a warrior, a light warrior. You can't fight a war carrying someone else's baggage. You got to fight a war with just you and your sword. Mm. Damn. Holy you carry, smack You cannot carry a bag of stones. You got to carry a, a sword. Damn. You cannot back. You can just can't. You just can't fight war that way. And that's how I find myself. 
that's how I see myself at 47 years old. That's who I see. I see someone who's going to fight the rest of her life with just a sword and win. That's it. That's it. It's supposed to be sword effects. Uh, totally. <laughs> nice. So if anybody's going to walk away with anything today, anything today, that's going to be fight the war with just a sword, not with a bag of stones. Nice. Mm. And I think that's how we're going to end the podcast. Absolutely. But before I do, um, there's always either sayings or quotes that I want to end with. Do you have anything that you want to say? Any quotes, any phrases, sayings that you've heard that you've been told that just stay with you? Yes. Go to sleep heavy and wake up light. Mm. Whoa. Let it go. Holy smokes. Go to sleep heavy and wake up light. Mm -hmm. That's my saying. That's That's a good one. That's how I live. That's a good one. Uh, And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, yeah, I'd like to thank Marila Boricua for joining me on the podcast, which was very spontaneous. And she was like, I don't know, I'm going to be shy, I think I'm going to shut down. (laughs) And next thing you know, she like took over. She talked like 90, like 80%. Typical woman. Typical woman. Hey, I take over. I take over. (laughs) All right. Typical woman, you give her the remote, you start watching Lifetime. Thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> um, so, yeah, with that being said, I want to thank her for joining me on this spontaneous podcast, thank which you. was good because I think uh, when she hears herself on the playback, she's going to be like, that's me. What? what? I'm telling you, everybody does that. Everybody's like, I didn't know, you know that I sound like that. And that's the reason you're like, oh, I couldn't tell that was you on the, on the podcast. Because, yeah, your voice sounds a little bit different, especially, mm-hmm. you know, when you control it. Thank you all, uh, all you folks out there for listening to Death, Taxes, and Comedy. Until next time, find your spark.